Back to the Blue Guys. This is Mike here. Say hello, Brian. Hello. Check us out on Twitter at BK Glue Guys. Check us out on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. Just search Glue Blue Guys. And as always, as this season will continue on, NetsDaily.com, our home for this season. Brian, Mike, you're in the zone. I can feel it. You're you're fired up. Season preview pod. I mean, it's going to be pretty incredible. Um, again, if you're if this is the season preview pod. My name is Mike. Brian's on the other end of the line. <laughs> now you're too fired up. No, um, nah, dial it back. Yeah. Uh, today, what we'll do is we'll go through the biggest Nets questions. We'll get some fan email if you want to email us, netspod at gmail.com. And then we'll go through some big league questions created by me and no one else. Wow. PWC here. You can tell they're sure. going to be good. Oh, so good. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, as always, the questions are shifted towards me. In my opinions. Are they? Usually. Is it tailored for you? Yeah, How did you do that? I looked through them. I didn't even detect that that bias. Um, so let's just start it off, Bri. Season Shoot. preview. We're recording this Tuesday night. Yeah. Um, hey, basketball starts tonight. We're currently missing the Knicks-Cavs game. Uh, super How exciting. You, How do you feel about missing that that game right now, Mike? I've always kind of I've always had this thing, so I bought this Nets season ticket package. The five games, five games mm. include the Warriors, Cavs, Celtics, Sixers, and Lakers. And mm. I have seen I saw LeBron once live in person. He was a high school player. Um, yeah, it was a big deal. Throwing some OG status out here, Mike. But LeBron is in a weird vortex for me, where he's like not the most super enjoyable dude to watch, right? Like his teams, his teams have never been that much fun. He's not that much fun as a player. I don't I, know. I think you are going to hear it from from the Twitter sphere for for saying that. I think like I'd rather watch a Timberwolves game than a Cavs game, and I don't. I don't even think there's like a question about that. All right. All right. Wow. Um. I mean, yeah. I guess like Wiggins is pretty fun. Take that out. Take this out. What are we talking about? Carl Anthony Towns. All right. Uh. Biggest Nets question. So this is what we're going to do. Um. Brian, you participated in a roundtable that will be on netsdaily.com on Wednesday. Yeah, if, if I make the cut, I don't even know. I don't know how, how, this will how be the editing process Highly embarrassing if, <laughs> yeah. if none of your answers come in besides like your record prediction. Yeah. But uh, we're going to basically rehash some of those same things uh, for the Nets. So it starts mm. off, number one was what was the biggest development observation from the preseason about this Nets team? Brian... Your answer was. Oh, you want me to go first yeah. on top of everything? Because I haven't thought out my answer, so I'm going to think out my answers. Oh, my Lord. Well, as you'll see in the in the round table, um, <clears throat> the, the revelation that, that I took a lot of joy from was that I, I realized it occurred to me that I like to watch Jeremy Lin play basketball. And, that, and that's maybe <laughs> a dumb-sounding thing to say, but it's a big deal because we watched a lot of really – we've had some very boring guard play for four years maybe and uh just in the couple of games of preseason that he was that he was on it was a real joy to see a guy that um is at the place that he is in his career who's just like just on the precipice of of trying to be you know the the foremost player on his team um and 
as you'll see. As I, I feel weird like talking about the things that I've written because it feels like I'm reading off a script, Mike. This is not how I operate. Yeah, but th- th- your thoughts again. You know, we're rephrasing them here for an audio audience. There's a visual audience out there that will read them. You think- <laughs> So just oh. so you're saying there's a difference like, between listening to things and reading them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So there's a difference in that. Um, Anyways, people don't really like to read; they like to hear uh, things now. That's I why see. podcasts are booming and newspapers are dying. We're getting this from every angle. Anyways, so yeah, I go on to talk about how like um, what I really like, especially like about Jeremy Lin's game, is that he keeps his dribble alive forever. Like he'll go right underneath the rim and still improbably have this dribble going, you know, that, that like having watched a lot of D Sloan and Shane Larkin over the year, just kind of like take a couple of stabs out from the three point line and then kick it to, you know, whoever it's like, Oh, come on. It's so nice to see someone just, just get in the, in the middle of things. I mean, it, and it's Lynn just has a super appealing game from all levels. He's like the perfect fun point guard. Yeah. Um, ha- I mean, drives to the hoop, shoots threes, interesting hairdo. Yeah, um, you, hear, you hear that Twitter? Don't, don't come at us. We, we, we've learned our lesson. Mike has at least. He's yeah, I, I, I for sure have. I've, yeah. I've been called into the boss's office um, about this. <laughs> no, but uh, you know, like Lynn has always been interesting more than just like Lynn's sanity. The fact, like, even when just every team he's been on, he's been uh, someone that like draws your attention on the court. And as you said, it's not that common that this team has had someone who's actually interesting. As a guard, I mean, Joe Johnson for so many years was like, yeah, he was good, but he is the most boring good guard in the league, I think. You can make that argument for the version of Darren Williams we we got, too. I mean, And Darren Williams them. was never that much fun anyways. Even when he was really good, he wasn't like super – like he wasn't like – like Chris Paul is, is fun while being good. Darren hmm. Williams was just like, like beat you down, brutal, effective, almost like – just just not that much interesting to watch in basketball. Yeah. Um I don't know. I mean I I think that is certainly a big development. I wasn't I wasn't necessarily expecting that Lynn was going to be this interesting. I I wasn't expecting that so many veterans on this team were going to be so positive about mm-hmm. this team. I mean maybe that's just like a natural thing like you it's probably awesome when you first get to the Nets now with the new practice facility. It's beautiful. The- this is your answer. It's about the positivity. Posi- I am surprised yeah. about positivity. Yeah. I'm frankly like because the NBA veteran is such a unique person anyways, right? Like sure. they they the NBA veteran typically of all among of all the the sports and NFL, NBA and MLB, they travel around the most. They they don't get to stick with one team the most. I mean, look at Randy Foy. Um mm. and you know they're much more of being a professional. Being a veteran is about being professional. Like whoever pays you is who you're playing for, and it's less about the team idea. But it does seem like the guys, the veterans on this team, Scola's talked really a lot about how this team is going to be better than people think. Vasquez is. I'm, I guess I'm just surprised that the team has positivity. Uh, that says more about <laughs> is that you wrong than, than anything else. That's that's really revealing. Is what that is. That and like. You know, I don't know. Maybe, maybe Hollis Jefferson's really not going to be that good this year. That's that's the biggest development observation. <laughs> I'm I swear. I mean, when when they were signing Scola and Vasquez and Foy, those guys, you just like you. I could feel through the news releases of them being signed, of them already like looking to get traded. 
by the way, can I say this? Uh, in in the uh, last Nets Daily Comments thread for our podcast, and and if you guys don't know, go go to the thread, and I'll be there to, you know, basically defend Mike's um, honor. <laughs> and that does uh, make me feel good. That you, you not got your back, that you brother. You feel like <laughs> you can do that. You have to do that, I guess. Um, but they were saying that like Mike needs to shut up about trading Brook Lopez. Um, and then someone I forget probably right. I think it was like GNYR or Steelnet. Somebody uh, very cleverly pointed out that you were always trying to trade him to the Wizards. Uh, <laughs> like you like, have like three trade ideas, and then like always somehow Gortat for for Brook Lopez is in there somehow. Because I love Brook, um, and I so we're on to you. We yeah. are on to you. Yeah, yeah. My motivations are out there for clear for the world to see. I mean, all right. I won't bring up the Brook Lopez. I won't bring up one deal today. Okay, does that sound fine? I'm not going to do it. Look, it doesn't bother me. It's just I the people will have next spoken. Week. The people have spoken. And when it um, happens this season, I'm going to feel really good. Yeah, we can talk about it then when it happens. Um, number two, which bench player is poised to surprise the most this season? Why don't you start us off this time? Um, you can't steal my answer. You've already seen my answers. so you gotta No, I didn't read. I, I specifically didn't read them because I didn't want to. God, like screw because it up. you didn't want to wait. Do you didn't want to take a mo- minute out of your day to read them? That's why. Let's be honest. <laughs> I mean, does Joe Harris now count as a surprise? Like, can or, that's my answer. See, this is why should you should have read it. I didn't. I didn't read him. But does he count as a surprise? At this point, I mean, maybe not. But like when we when we got him over the offseason, that was a as as much of a, a uh, yeah, no, like a no name really, signing. So, totally no name sighting. It hasn't really played really um, anywhere he's been. I mean, he had a couple of minutes in in Cleveland, but outside of that, he's been he got cut by what Orlando, I think it was. And it's not surprising he didn't like catch on in Cleveland because they, they could have used it. I mean, they can use a guy like Joe Harris, which would be a six five six six guard who could shoot threes. I mean, I I you know, I think it's ha- not, Joe, what it's not just that he can shoot threes, which is exciting about him. I mean, like that's sort of the the like. You know that's the thing that you can definitely say that he he will be known for, um, but he appears to be able to like run and he's he's like a bit of an athlete. Um, he appears makes, to be able to run. <laughs> I mean, he's not like he's not like <laughs> like dopey six six like you know bench dude. Right. Um, but so what I go on to say is that what I like most about him is his on court demeanor. I'm a I'm a like offensively firm believer in on court demeanor meaning have you know, having a lot to do with your talent level or like just what you can do with that talent right which is why i don't you know think highly of anthony bennett at the moment um i know and i gotta ease off i've been like not been that I, dis- I dislike anthony bennett at all it's just that on twitter mm-hmm. it's every think- guy who got cut i just want to cut anthony bennett to pick them up i think if you look in your heart you will find that you don't really like anthony bennett that much um it's i was excited i was so again Wizards you know what fan it is? Here. It's Bargnani. It's because you were so <laughs> loud wrong about Bargnani. I still think he can make it. <laughs> he just has to find <laughs> the right team. And now, like the equivalent this year is is hearing it from you. Um, but yeah. So, anyways, my my take on Joe Harris is like it's it's just his self confidence is is oozing out of every shot he takes. Like whether or not it goes in, and for the most part, it's been going in. I mean, at this point, it'd be surprising if he wasn't like someone who gets let's say 18 to 25 minutes a game. It would be surprising if he wasn't a contributor. Like he doesn't have to be even if he's just like a really good three-point shooter. I think that is like a huge win for Sean Marks at the fact that he that this guy who was a nobody and had been on good teams and had been on teams that, you know, essentially could have used a three-point shooter at the two spot and if he becomes anything for this team. Um mm-hmm. 
that's a massive win, especially because he's making less than a million dollars this year. And the team has an option for next year on him. I mean, yeah. he, if if he becomes like if we're going to play this out and he ends up shooting 40 percent from three, he's shooting 60 percent from three in preseason. But if he shoots 40 percent from three during the, the season, he becomes either like not a quarterstone piece, but like someone who's going to contribute a lot for a low cost or he becomes a super valuable trade asset because he can be put into any trade because he only makes a million dollars and the team controls him for next season. Any team that so he could become someone that becomes like super interesting in the Brook Lopez trades that will be created coming up. Yeah, I mean, I, you would hope that they would pay a person like Joe Harris. This is exactly the kind of like you know if he does harness his inner Paja Stojakovic or whatever it is he you know tends to be. <laughs> you don't like that comparison? No, but no, no. Um, oh, but okay. you know, we'll figure it out with him. We'll figure out who he is. I mean, again, it's you don't like my Paja Stojakovic. Huh? No, because Peja was like what six ten, right? I what? Think, no way. I think Peja was pretty tall. He was a pretty I'm tall, dude. This up right now. Um, six. I think number two would have to be Justin Hamilton, right? Six ten. He was six ten. What the hell? Yeah, I, I always had, had so him as my long. two guard in you know NBA two K. Was my god, I had no idea. I ran my tall. team like the Milwaukee Bucks. Fascinated by length. Um, I think I think if you're just gonna rank like guys that you're excited about on the bench, I go Joe Harris. Justin Hamilton, and if Carrot Slavert ever comes back, they're still checking on his legs, um, he would be number three. I mean, if Carrot Slavert ends up being actually a decent rookie, that would be... Dude, he's, he's not going to be decent. He's going to be the next Anthony Hardaway. I still, that's, what I, that's what I say. He still needs to be pretty good I, for just, me to, like, to, not, to not be still disappointed in the Thaddeus Young trade. Like Carrot Slavert has to be... What? Seriously? Yeah, because again, what would Thaddeus Young be doing on this on this team right now? That's not... helping helping them out greatly. Instead of them starting Trevor Booker and Luis Scola, they're starting Thaddeus Young. I mean, Thaddeus Young's being like trumpeted around as the guy, the reason why the Pacers are going to go to the Eastern Conference Finals. He, him, and Teague are the reason. So, you know, and the, the Nets again not having their first round pick, they don't have to tank. Uh, I'd rather have Thaddeus Young, unless if Karis LeVert ends up being awesome, which is a possibility. Well, yeah, that's. <laughs> but you gotta pay. You gotta pay to play, brother. I love it. Um, number three. Yeah. Where are the Nets' biggest strengths, Brian? So this is a sort of predictable answer. It's something that everyone kind of you know pays lip service to, but I do think it's a real a real thing um, that the like complete and total lack of expectations around this team is going to like enormously benefit just the maturation process of a lot of these guys. I feel like, uh, like there's like outside of, um, Lynn and, uh, Lopez and Louis Scola for different reasons. Like all of these guys share this like sort of like parody that is really rare for an NBA team. Like everyone is at a like make or break, point in their careers they're trying to make an nba roster um and if you nurture that kind of competitive energy um and i think that kenny atkinson um is going to do that because that's what he's that's what he's about apparently um then you can create the the environment that that speeds that along um you know there's there's really there's no microscope on this team right now um so you can you can get away with a lot of you know, cycling players in and out and stuff and move it along. Yeah. And, and I, so my biggest strength would be the fact is that they have 
a good combo at point guard and center. But building off of your point is the fact that, like, they all remnants of the KG Pierce trade is extinct. Besides the fact that the Nets owe first round picks, um, Darren Williams is gone. Joe Johnson, the last remaining member of that mega group, is now gone as well. There's no one here besides Brooke, and Brooke was never even, never was really a part of that. He was, he was overshadowed by that. I would yeah. even go on to say he was here before that, and then lasted throughout of it. Was injured in part of that, and now is back to sort of being the center of this franchise. And I was just, more ways I was just run. going down the, the rabbit hole of thinking about what happens if he doesn't get uh, injured uh, when they're about to trade for Dwight Howard, and if that thing actually happens, like that's yeah. how, how much worse off or we might have been, or how much better off. I can't. I can't tell. I have no idea. So what's the team? Um, Darren still happens. I forget. Darren was there. Darren was there, and it was and he was, they, and he was luring. Dwight in was his on like the friend. tarmac, right, imagine, or something. Do you imagine spending like hanging out with just Darren and Dwight Howard? What that would be like? Do you think they ever even don't, hung out together? Like, what is? <laughs> I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to talk too much s, but um, that does not sound like a fun crew. I'll just say that. But but then again, you know, if you take out injuries out of both of those guys career it's those that those are now both guys who are like really super yeah. awesome and good for your team and yeah. kind of the perfect combo um wait which two guys darren williams and dwight howard yeah T- today no not today i mean it, yeah, then, at the yeah, point when the trade was gonna happen yeah yeah of course no they were talking about taking over taking over new york um yeah um biggest weakness <laughs> um so I went just strict on court stuff with this and was saying that the just ball handlers, offensively capable, like guys that can play offense like with 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 that, with their head up is, is a big thing for for this team right now. We've got shooters all over the place. And if preseason can predict anything, it's that we're going to be shooting a lot of threes. Um, but uh, like nobody can take their man off the dribble except for Jeremy Lin reliably. Definitely. Um, which is a problem. And, you know, a real quick thing. What do you think about Foy? I mean, I know Foy's going to be out first game, but what do you think the fact that he is the starting two guard of the team? I mean, that's obviously, I think that's a direct thing that Atkinson realizes because he wants to start. I mean, Foy's not necessarily a point guard, but he's a ball handling two half. Yeah. So, like, he recognizes the fact that this team doesn't have ball handlers. So the best way to, to get, he wants to get multiple guys on the floor who can do it. Yeah, I mean, I see the pros and cons to it. I mean, obviously, he's he's in somebody else's way, but uh, yeah, for exactly that reason, I think. I mean, I'm encouraged that I, I feel like Kenny has tapped into exactly that weakness because it it is like what the problem with like Rondé Hollis Jefferson and, and Boyan Kilpatrick um, is that they have their moments where they like get they can beat their guy off with just like a somebody gives them a, a hot pass they can like kind of turn the corner but then the second defender comes up and they're like they lose their minds and um that's like a bad habit that all of them have and it's not just like about like because you know like kilpatrick will put up a runner and like occasionally that'll go in and like but those are not like generally like the the primary thing you should be thinking it's like popping a, a runner from you know 10 feet it's not the best um so yeah i don't know uh foy I, it's hard to get super excited about watching a lot of Randy Foy, but but I you know I appreciate <laughs> no one's ever gotten super. No one's ever been super excited. I mean, the, 
Yeah, so that's going to be the thing. Like, if Jeremy Lin's hurt at all this season, that is – I mean, that's almost a bigger injury than Brooke being out um, because Lin is going to be so ball-dominant this year for the team. He's going to be, The offense is going to be so centered around everything that he does that if he's out for any extended period of time, it, it completely changes what they're going to do. If Brooke's out, it stinks, but it also becomes, all right, so Justin Hamilton's going to go there and shoot threes. Um, maybe they're going to experiment with super small lineups with like Booker at the five and just go crazy. Um, but if like Jeremy Lin's out, I mean that, that, which is crazy. Cause again, we haven't seen him play a regular season game for the nets, but if he's out at all, this team is like, where, where does any drive and kick ability come from? Where did the open shots come from? Mm-hmm. It's crazy, but yeah. you know, but those, we'll so see. that's my answer. So what's your answer, Mike? Uh, Pretty much the biggest weakness is talent from the two, three, or four positions on the mm-hmm. team. Uh, mm-hmm. Those are my biggest areas of weakness. I uh, I saw many years of Trevor Booker. Like Trevor Booker, just fine. He's a bench player, but he's going to start for this team. Or Skull is starting for this team. Forget um, who who's coming. Is that, are these things official yet? I I haven't been made aware of this. Um, it doesn't really matter, uh, but. I think so. Quick prediction, kind of spinning ahead. I don't know if this is going to ruin the mailbag at all. Um, I'm not going to predict a book Lopez trade, but my like <laughs> one crazy prediction for the season would be that Ronnie Hollis Jefferson gets traded this year. Yeah, I think that's going. I think it's going to happen. Um, just from a sense of that, he's not a Marks guy. He has value. If they don't see that he's has progressed in a certain way over this year. I think Marks is just going to immediately go and say, okay, what can I get for him? What can I get so then I can make my own pick? And mm-hmm. I think Hollis Jefferson could be a guy that we, you could get a first-round pick back for him. I mean, he's young enough to where that's not improbable. And it, yeah, it, there, there's only a very small handful of players that you can actually trade and get something worthwhile back. And I would say that Je- Hollis Jefferson's one, Boyan's one. I mean, you wouldn't, but Lynn and Lopez uh, – and then maybe McCullough you can toss in and get something back, but that's kind of becoming less and less on a on a weekly basis. McCullough's a sweetener in any trade of those four guys. Right. Like if, if you add McCullough plus one like Boyan, you maybe get you maybe get something a little interesting. Um I think you know, the way the all the signings that Marks made was pretty much the idea of that like we're going to shoot threes. The team is gonna try to shoot threes. Um and Hollis Jefferson does not fit into that at all. I mean, the reason why he made the Thad Young trade was not necessarily because he he wanted to get a first round pick. It was that he I don't think he believed that Thad Young was like the modern NBA four that he won in the league. Mm-hmm. I mean, even though he signed Booker and um, Scola, who are neither of them are that way either. But I think if he, if he if you're looking at the modern landscapes of the NBA and Hollis Jefferson, if he doesn't develop any shot, then it's going to be super tough for him to to be a valuable player offensively for this team. I like him. I mean, I think he's got he's got that interesting game <clears throat> where he sees some angles par- probably because like he he has restrictions on his own game that makes it like tough for him to do normal stuff, so he has to do weird stuff to be mm. effective. You know, it's um, a weird thing that he that he did that we never talked about. What? Was was when he was singing the entirety of that Frozen song. In, in before the first preseason game, did you watch that? No, it was during like it was like right at, between a commercial. Um, 
He's, it was like a like ninety like second kind of dude, a, a ninety second clip of him not like very well, not doing a great job of singing a Frozen song, and it was the longest ninety seconds I've seen in a, in a while. Not since Mary J. Blige <laughs> <gonna> serenaded <laughs> Hillary Clinton, just like, screamed like in her face. Yeah, a Bruce Springsteen it, song. It was not unlike that. Um, you want to do mailbag? So, um. Again, everyone, you can reach me at netspod at gmail.com. It, it brings me such joy to have the email sphere, um, you know, thriving the way that it has been uh, over the last couple weeks. Um, so the first is from Cherboy. This is Tom Dean. Tom Dean via London, originally from Australia. This is – we're getting international here, Mikey. Um so he's saying, looking at the net salary cap, at the moment they have around $18 million in cap space, do you expect them to go ahead and use it? If so, would you think – who do you think they would target and who do you think they should target? Um, so he's talking about going after John Wall somehow, but I think you know what that would take and we're not going to touch that. Um, yeah. So, so again, so – OK. Money slot. The only way you get a guy is if some team – suddenly decides like a Greg Monroe. So Greg Monroe, it's well, obvious the Bucks don't want him. Tom, Tom Dean is predicting that things are going to go south in Washington. False. What do you, what do you say? Wizards what are going to be a top say? four seed. That's for sure. Um, are you being serious or is this? Yeah. Saying? No, I mean, I hate everything Ernie Grunfeld did. He basically, he basically used all the salary space that was supposed to be for Kevin Durant to sign Jan Mahimi, Mahimi, um, and like uh, Jason Smith, Andrew Nicholson. I'm expecting big things for Marcus Marcus Thornton. Oh boy, um, lobster mac and cheese, baby. I don't know. I mean, okay, so that cal- salary cap space it can only be used. It's it's going if it's going to be used. It, you would imagine it'd be a salary dump of some kind um, that the team would have to feel good about. So who who's going to do salary dumps? Greg Monroe's a guy out there, but again. Why would the Nets want Greg Monroe? They have Brooke. So the only reason why you want Greg Monroe is if you trade Brooke and then get Greg Monroe and another deal yeah. for free. It also seems like Brooke is already kind of anti-thematic and Greg Monroe is even more so in that direction. So To just generally what they want to be doing. Yeah. So <clears throat> uh, so that if the only so I don't think he's an option. Um Rudy Gay has been a name that's been floated out there as like just a dump candidate. I'm Sort of always in on Rudy Gay. I know like he gets a bad rap, but I think he'd fit pretty well with his team. Seems like a, a good dude overall. Um, that would be someone who, if the Nets are kind of reaching and just finding out, okay, who's that like third tier NBA veteran with a big salary that is good but not that great, not worth their money? Rudy Gay would be the guy that I would go after, but you, I think you would have to give them something back. I think you have to give the Kings... Some they're not just going to throw away Rudy Gay. I don't know why they would. You know, it's mm-hmm. not like they're in salary cap debt in some crazy way. Um, right. I think isn't Tyreek Evans also out there? I was, I was going to say Tyreek, but yeah. But I think that team relies too much on him. They 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 still like he's still the guy who Drew Holiday being out. Like when Tyreek comes back from injury, he's going to be the guy that kind of controls that team. Um, mm-hmm. I would love Tyreek, but so. I would go Rudy Gay, Tyreek Evans, and Greg Monroe only if there's like a 
Brooke, you get two first-round picks back, and then you get Greg Monroe for free. But that just seems right. super crazy and not going to happen. It's a little bit too sweet. Um, well, great answer, Mike. I really appreciate what you can do. Um, next up is Chirbelle. This is Martin Ramos. Um, Martin, thank you for reaching out. So he says, does Joe Harris's really good showing make players expendable? One, Bogdanovich. Two, Kilpatrick. Um, slash, does he earn minutes in the regular season just generally? Um, I think maybe we're getting a little ahead of ourselves with the Joe Harris love. Yeah. I mean, I, I want to believe, and I do, you know, on some level, but I always have to tailor back my, my enthusiasm. Um, if, if, um, he, he does like break out in the way that we are all hoping he does of those two, I, I love Kilpatrick. He's a great guy. Um, but I think of the of the two players, he's in my mind the more expendable. Unfortunately, who Kilpatrick? Yeah, you disagree. I don't even think in, I don't even think expendable is like the right word. I mean, these guys are you. They're expendable. Like you can just throw like loose pennies in your pocket. You can just throw them. Their their contracts are so small. It's not like it's not like you're getting rid of them. There's no reason to get rid of he's them. Talking about expendable, maybe like in, in terms of minutes. Like who, whose minutes is he going to take? Sure. Um, I mean, I think Joe Harris is going to get just a ton of minutes. So we do have to caution a little bit about Joe Harris because he's going from being an absolute nobody to now we're like predicting, you know, like he's going to be a really good player in all aspects of the game. Where like I just need to see him be a, just a good shooter. If he's just a good shooter and like doesn't to- isn't total f up in all their positions, I'm mm-hmm. fine. It would be too much of a leap to say he's, Joe Harris is going to go from an absolute nothing to like. Secondary ball handler, defender, three-point shooter, and, like, heady offensive player that gets easy buckets. It's, like, way too much, right? I mean, mm-hmm. the Joe, I love Joe Harris. We talked about it. We, we had a whole podcast featured on him, essentially, on NetsDaily.com. I think I missed that one. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah. So, I we, well, okay. So, two-guard position. Let's not count Randy Floyd. Who, what is the order of minutes? You go Boyan, Joe Harris, and Sean Kilpatrick, right? I don't think there's. Yeah, I mean that's that, that's my preference. Okay, there you go. At present, um, so this will segue nicely into Adrian Cherboy, Adrian Rickner, Reichner. Um, thanks for hitting us up, Adrian. Um, so he says, "How long a leash do you guys have on the bottom of the roster players like Kilpatrick, Foy, and maybe Bennett, um, like?" So he says, I have no problem getting rid of either uh, of Kilpatrick or Foy for people like R.J. Hunter slash Archie Goodwin, even Anthony Brown. Speaking my language. Um, do you – I mean like, you know, Mike has ha, – doesn't have an – he's not he's, he's not a GM language. at present. So he's going to say, yeah, flip him everyone, but he's not going to be held accountable for saying anything like that um, for, you know. But uh, – Okay, so I'll just say this. Can I add in a name that I think probably people already have been, but I'm not sure. But DJ Stevens, if if we're talking about how <laughs> dunks, y- you wanted you wanted guys who dunks. could just dunk. This is this is. Uh, I mean, I've had my eye on him for years. Um, just you know, YouTube mixtape in it. Um, please, for please. Um, and like, absolutely, by far one of my favorite two-handed guard dunkers of all time. I um, mean, we have there's 15 roster spots. You have, you know, you only play. Let's say. 12 players a game. You're telling me there's not a roster spot for just a dude who can dunk really awesomely? Okay, well, do you give it to 
So I'm going to also I'm, I'm going to rope Triboy Luis Torres into this because everyone's talking about R.J. Hunter this go around. Um, I was tweeting a lot about R.J. Hunter. I've had yeah, you seem pretty high on him. I mean, I, I R.J. Hunter. I went back and watched all of his summer league stuff, and that's his that's his best work. That's the best body work right there. <laughs> He looks he looks great in summer league. Um, I, mean, I liked him just because I saw him in two games in college, and yeah. he was a ball handler who was a little bit taller and could shoot threes. And if you're that, I'm just like yeah. that's right up yeah. my alley. That's like a mint weird, chocolate chip of yeah. guards. <laughs> he's got a very weird posture. He's got that Tayshawn Prince sort of like yes. gawky. Yes, gawky neck. good call. <laughs> um, which just I like can the, get behind. He was the tallest kid in class and was felt bad about it. Yeah, <laughs> and then but like he goes to the NBA, he's not that tall, but yeah, he gets that awkward body sense. Um, um, so you're down. You want both. So obviously you, you're. So they're talking about like how fast do you give up on Anthony Bennett? Mike's already given up on Anthony Bennett. He's yes. like he, he, he's yes. kicking yes. out the door tomorrow. But it's not like it's not like a, a thing that's like yeah, uh, like I'm not like gonna go. Yeah, no, there's no personal animosity. I get it. Yeah, I get it. No, but it's not even like like if he ends up being. Good. No, no, you it's like, like I'm not you like him as a person. You think he's a good guy? No, 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 no. no, no. <laughs> no, what I'm saying is like I don't care enough to be like they have to cut Anthony Bennett, but I do think I've always liked R.J. Hunter a little bit, and I think that team has so much. The, the Celtics had so much talent; they were going to cut James Young too. I think either of those two guys are better than Anthony Bennett. Anthony Bennett. Okay, here's the thing about Anthony Bennett. Here we go. Here he we is go. maybe six eight, maybe six eight. Cannot I think that's generous. Cannot really shoot. Mm-hmm. Is not really that athletic. Um, it does not really know how to play basketball. Uh, I don't see Anthony Bennett not being able to shoot. Not really that tall. Not really that athletic, and not a great court awareness. Becoming good. He has talent, of course. He's number one overall pick. I do see someone like R.J. Hunter, who is a guard who's probably only two inches shorter than. Anthony Bennett can shoot, has shown he can shoot, has shown he can handle the ball, has shown he's been the alpha dog at Georgia he, State. Yeah, he's he's, he's caught uh, he's caught the lightning in a bottle for at times. You know that's more than you can ever say for Anthony Bennett. He's Perfect. never had the like all eyes on him in a game, and he's the one all doing all the exciting things. Yeah, and yeah. so fine. You know, if they want to keep Anthony Bennett, they, if they see something, fine, do it. I'm not like it's not like it's not going to change the trajectory of the next season. But I also want to say like. You know, there has been these end of the bench guys who have changed franchises. Hassan Whiteside was an end of a end of the bench guy who went to didn't he play like in Russia at one point? He played somewhere else in the world. And he ended up being someone really good. I don't think RJ Hunter is gonna be like a Hassan Whiteside impact. But I really don't think Anthony Bennett is like I just don't don't see it. The, the okay. has not not, not mineable talent. Thank you. Good. I'll, I'll go to the next question then. Sorry, I didn't realize you were – that stopped you in your tracks. Um, Stop. Uh, the next one is from Cheerboy. This is G-N-Y-R. Um, <clears throat> he says, what do you – a successful season? Um, I'm going to say, uh, what do you consider a successful season? Is that – I think yeah. that's probably what you were getting at. Or what do um, you see? Yeah. What do you – a successful season? Otherwise, it's just too philosophical. What do I – what success. do you use successful season? Um, what do I consider a successful season? Gosh, if we could, if we could just turn a couple, polish a couple of these boys off, and and uh, you know, 
turn them into like valuable players. Like if Karis Levert spontaneously becomes a, a guy, if Joe Harris becomes a guy, yeah. Jeremy Lin blows up. Mm-hmm. You know, we just want. I mean, I don't think we're in the up and coming team category. We're not like gunning for that yet. Maybe that's a year or two off. But we want to make sure that we find, you know, those diamonds in the rough. We got to be sifting, you know. It's the gold rush. It's you know, we're out there in in the uh, in the ravine sifting for gold, Mike. I, I I'm totally with you. It, it's you, there's got to be beyond Brooke and Jeremy Lin. There's got to be like three guys from this team that you have some interest slash intrigue. Just a little. There's a little juice. You just want to yeah. see a little juice. Yeah, and that's it. A little magic juju. That's what we need to find. Um, Dude, and so if they if we win do, thirty games, Kenny Atkinson should be coach of the year. Seriously, you said that about twenty six games. You're you're up, up in the ante. Yeah, because I'm that bullish about <laughs> about these nets. Yeah. Bullish oh, about you're, these you're, nets. You're, what's your? I don't think you ever give me your uh, your projected win total. Oh, I'm going to go through the entire schedule and map out wins. Are and you losses seriously going to do that? Next oh, oh my lord! This next, oh, next pod. pod. End of next pod. After get, after we'll already have a couple of wins on the on the <laughs> on the season. I was talking to my uh, I got work with a guy who's a big Celtics fan, and I I messaged him that Randy Foy was out against the Celtics in the Celtics Nets game, mm-hmm. and that that spells trouble because mm-hmm. Joe Harris is going to get them minutes. Ah, uh, you know what I'm yes. saying? I like that. Um, any other questions? Um, no, that's it. Uh, thanks again, you guys. Uh, netspod at gmail is where you can do that. Um, I really should update that, shouldn't I? It just it just seems so rinky dink, doesn't it? I like it though. I mean, yeah, because I how many other people can be netspod at this point? There's only, very few netspods out there, and we are the netspod. Like, you think that that's you, has anyone else tried to sign up for that? I I, I highly doubt it. Not not saying there's not any other netspods out there. I haven't got any offers yet. I'm still waiting. <laughs> if you want to buy netspod at gmail dot com. Let me know. Email us at netspod, netspod at gmail.com. Let's go to News Around the League. Here, I'll just hit the drop. It's the news! All right, go, go. News Around the League here. Um... So not, not not your normal news around the league. This is our season preview pod. So what we'll do is some of the big questions. The big questions around the league that I've created for Brian and I to answer. You're pretty proud of these questions, huh? You, you think, <laughs> I don't you think they're that, they're not that smart, but <laughs> they were created. Um, second, uh, or first question, but number two is involved. Uh, who are the second best teams in the East and West? Um, I'll go, I mean, f- I'll go no, first. Go yeah, shoot, shoot. Um, my predictions for the second best teams, if we're going to go in terms of just records straight, I go Clippers in the West and the Celtics in the East. Not that shocking, but um, I I am not feeling the Spurs this year. Even though the Spur, of course, the Spurs won the second the the most games ever for the second most win team in the history of the league. Weird stat, but mm-hmm. um, I don't know. I, I think the Lamarcus Aldridge. Like not feeling like great about the team is weird, and I don't think Kawhi Leonard is really like that much of an alpha dog dude. And Tim Duncan not being there is like on the court, not that big of a deal. Off the court, I'm sure it's a huge. It's got to be a big thing, right? Like we all like praise Tim Duncan, and yet he just leaves, and no one seems to care. So mm-hmm. I'm not feeling this. I I just think there's going to be 
this this is going to be the first season in a while where the Spurs are just off. They're not correct. I'm going to go ahead and just flat out disagree with you. They're they're <gasps> my team coming out of the West. I think the Pau Gasol edition is super perfect, obviously, for super obvious reasons. Um, you know, I have, I have. If anyone can solve a a grumpy player issue, it's it's your boy Greg Popovich. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I don't understand why people are. I was listening to a bunch of other podcasts. People are high on the Clippers again, um, like spontaneously. I I don't know. I don't what can you explain a little bit about what's special about the Clippers this year? Um I think so Blake Griffin is back, right? right. If I'm if I'm gonna sell you on the Clippers, this is what I'm gonna sell you on. Yeah, sell me give me a hard sale here. I think Chris Paul realizes that the his road is ending soon. His uh, his road is ending soon and this this is like we believe that Chris Paul's one of the greatest point guards in the history of the NBA. If he is in fact that type of way and he is that type of player He's going to put everything he's got into this one season. So that's one reason. J.J. Redick has never been better, number two. Um, Blake Griffin, redemption season. Blake Griffin has never been sort of the underdog in a way. You know, he's always been like super donkey dude, and then we didn't like him. We don't like him because he scowls all the time, and he's like a baby on the court. Now we really don't like him because he had this trainer fiasco where he punched some dude in the face that technically works below him. Um, what do you mean technically? Like, definitely works both. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And the dude's not on the team anymore. Yeah. Um, okay. So, but I think if if Blake Griffin is as good as he has has been, one, he's going to be healthy this year, and he has this redemption chip on the shoulder motivating factor. And then they still got DeAndre Jordan, who's like just super awesome at basketball, besides shooting free throws. So, mm. um, I'm going to put all those things together. I'm going to put. The fact that they have this this target in Golden State still that they hate, and I, yeah. it's more the fact that I don't like the Spurs this year. So I go Clippers sure. too. Sure. And then, I mean, my my thing with the Clippers is not nothing other than just a spiritual feeling that you know. And I probably said this before, but I just think they've lost too many times. You know, they've been they've been close. They had their um, like their mojo season, and that came and went. They're on the downside of the mojo. It's a I it's a it's a dumb take, but that's my take. You know, I think this is the final season of mojo. And okay. if if they do really well, then maybe they'll get a little bit more. But that's my um, okay. Celtics in the East. Is that just obvious, or is that a little too much hype? Yeah, I mean, the only other real competition is Toronto, um, who like probably of any team seemed to overachieve quite a bit last year. Yeah, um, in the so East you, for sure. So yeah, I, you know, I I have Celtics as well, um, but I don't think it's I think it's pretty close. Toronto is still, you know, right there at, for a second tier. I mean, they're like both of them deeply beneath Cleveland, unfortunately. Yes. Um, question number two: How will the Knicks do? How will I struggled they with do? this one. I struggled with this one because I think you may or may not know I'm not objective about the Knicks. This is a thing that that I struggle with um, because, you know, I have animosity I have personal animus towards, towards this team. Um, so I always think that they're going to implode. Luckily they normally do. So I get to be right. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it, it seems like there's a lot of sort of pugnacious personalities there. Um, there's a lot of off the court stuff going on. Um, Joakim Noah is, I, I don't know if he's like, what, what exactly, 
they expect how many minutes like how many minutes is Joe Kim Noah gonna get? I can't figure this out. And okay, so obviously people like a lot of a lot of things that Phil did, but that would have to be the weirdest that was the weirdest decision out of all the ones, just because I mean Noah had you know, used to be one of the the better players in the league, but he hasn't been good in so long and shouldn't Porzingis just be playing the five anyways? I mean like like I don't under, I don't understand like is Noah and Porzingis and Mello all switching around and Mello's playing the three and um, Yeah. I don't know. The Knicks have always I mean and and it, it worked in that one like fifty plus win season. Um, they just have like a lot of specialists, you know. Um, a lot of teams nowadays, they kind of they're doing the sort of everyone's six seven and can shoot. Um, the like sort of um, I don't know, like whatever the 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 Warriors version of basketball. Everyone's trying to emulate effectively, and the sure. Knicks are like, we're going to go the other way. Everyone has everyone's like super unique and has their own way of playing basketball. And every every five years, they're going to be like kind of good, but not really like you know a threat to win a championship. I mean, if I'm just going to be, if I'm going to answer my own question, how will the Knicks do? I go, they're going to do better than I think most people expect. What's what is good? What is good in your mind for that team? Uh, I mean, I haven't looked at their over/under, but I'm honestly 48 wins. I think they could be really pretty good. I mean, I'm, I don't even know. they could throw away Noah. Okay, let's just throw away Noah. I think the fact that you have you go from the worst point guard situation in the league besides the Nets to Derrick Rose, who Derrick Rose is in Derrick Rose, but he is better than average. You add in, um, what is it? You got Carmelo, Chris Stapps. You got a bunch of other bench players who are Courtney Lee, who's pretty decent. Uh, mm-hmm. Jennings as your backup. You just add up all those bunch of pieces, and you go. Yeah, they shouldn't be that much different. I actually think Hornacek is ten times better than any coach they've had, and for so long they had Derek Fisher, who was a disaster, a disaster. Mm-hmm. Then they got Kurt Rambis to come in for him, who's on record as being one of the worst coaches in the league. Um, before him, Mike Woodson was, you know, he was sort of like the right place, right time coach more than like being a really good coach. Mm-hmm. Hornacek's a good coach. He just, he had terrible management in Phoenix where they, they took a team that should, should be trying to improve. And they had one good season because he was a good coach. And then they just did weird things on the front office that never made sense for anything. Um, I'm just looking at Joakim Noah's numbers right now just to try to piece together what, what may have gone awry here. I mean, and the thing that jumps out to me like with anything is like the free throw percentage has fallen off 25% since since 2014. Like despite playing, you know, being hurt and, and not playing many games and stuff, that's a weird that's a weird phenomenon for anyone. And it says a lot about someone's headspace, I always think. Yeah. The, the biggest psychological point, if you're going to be the s- sports psychologist, Free throws, number, number one. Number um, one. <clears throat> question number three. Is tanking in hibernation for now? Such a weird way of putting that. I know. In hibernation. <laughs> okay. Okay. Here's, what, here's my thinking. Because I have an answer for it, obviously, because I created this. So yeah. I don't want to say is tanking dead. Because tanking is never going to be dead in the NBA. The, the system that it is is just not going to be dead. But the reason why I say on hibernation or in hibernation for now. Okay, just look real quick. The bottom five teams in Vegas's outlook for wins are the Nets, Lakers, 76ers, Suns, and Kings. 
Nets have no incentive to tank. That's obvious. Anyone listening to this pod knows that. The Lakers pick goes to the 76ers as long as it's not in the top three. And the Lakers have a new coach who just came from a winning team, already have plenty of young talent, and that fan base has no appetite for tanking. The Mm -hmm. 76ers have removed themselves from the process. Um, While they may have to tank just because they're going to rely on Joel Embiid uh, to be the star of that team because Ben Simmons is out. And they have no Jared Bayless, who Jared Bayless is now like the being like the the main point of this team besides Ben Simmons, apparently. But they've removed themselves mm-hmm. from the process. So if you're the Colangelos, you can't just go and suddenly start tanking again, even though that should no. be the right no, thing don't, to do. You don't do that to Gerald Bayless and and, and or sorry, Jared, Jared Bayless and, and Gerald Henderson. You don't do that to them at this point in their career. You can't just tank on those guys. The Suns have can. the Suns have too many competent players. I mean, Eric is, they're not gonna be you're not gonna be good. They're like de facto tanking. It's not like Who, the Suns? I mean, no, uh, 76ers. I mean, it's, no, it's but, not but, like... but it's not tank. It's, it's, they'll be I know, bad. I know, I know the distinction, but. Brian, yeah. do you know the distinction? <laughs> I do. I do. <laughs> they're setting themselves up for a, you know, involuntary tank is what they're doing. Brian. Um, they're not tanking. And I know that the, so, the tanking okay. is it's about, it's, you know, the voluntary condition. Can I just quick double Please. back to the, to the next thing? Did you see the thing on ESPN about, um, how many bets are being placed for the Knicks to win a championship? There's like a bunch of people, a bunch of bettors are, are putting money on the next. Uh, this is the most New York thing of all time because um, their odds are like 101 long shots. And the vast majority of the uh, the average ticket is 25 bucks. If there's not a more New York thing than, <laughs> yeah, I'll put a 25 bucks uh, yeah, on the yeah, Knicks this year. Just to just sweeten the pot of watching this this team this year. I, I mean, like okay. I what's what's the next ceiling? Is it? The, well, I honestly believe. I honestly believe the Eastern Conference Finals is ceiling here. I think. Shut up! Are you out of your mind? I think they could be that good. I think they could what? be that good. Yes, yes, for sure. I think. I'm not saying that that's where they're going to go. I'm just saying. Like, I'm not even just saying it as like try to be like coy. Like, oh, every team in the East is ceiling is the Eastern Conference Finals besides the Cavs because no one's going to beat the Cavs. No, I mean, like, honestly, I don't think you are being coy. I think you're being serious, and that's what scares me. Yeah, no, I think I don't. You know, I think Boston's of course going to be really good. They're going to be well coached, and they're going to be they're going to be better run than pretty much any team that they play in the East. You think you think the Knicks are going to beat who in a playoff series? Toronto, Boston. Cleveland to get to an Easter Conference Finals, I got to beat somebody good. Toronto. So okay, here's the thing. So they they would have to get a top three seed, obviously, because the the Cavs are going to get the number one, and the whoever gets two and three. I'm not sure be- that the Cavs are going to get number one. I mean, they're they could very. I mean, they, I think me? they're. I think they're talking about like sleepwalking through this regular season and 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 showing up to win a LeBron's championship. LeBron's going for that MVP. LeBron's going for the final MVP of his career. I Kevin Love. For, Kevin I think Love. Everyone knows he's going for chippy chips. That's what that's what LeBron's after. LeBron cares about MVPs as every player does. Any player that doesn't care about him isn't an MVP candidate. LeBron does. Kevin Love is healthy this year. And Kyrie is this? This is the LeBron year LeBron can still win an MVP and and play seventy games and you know and sacrifice you know ten wins. I think we're about to see also an epic Kyrie season. So I I think there's just like there's just too much good 
pointing this direction for the Cleveland Cavs. So they're going to be the number one seed, Brian. Well, Brian. why? I mean, I'm, my, the point is, I think, I think because that, I, I mean, don't this think. Is, this is a very LeBron James type thing to do, which is to not not play all the games in a regular season. You know, sacrifice maybe his the, the you know the highest seed, come in at the second seed and still run stuff. I mean, it doesn't. Well, I think okay. So last year, th- this is this is the wins total for the Eastern Conference last year. Cavs had fifty seven wins. Toronto and in that in this fifty seven win season, they fired their coach. Yeah. Okay. The Toronto Rat- had fifty six, right? Toronto had fifty six. Who? So you don't think- I don't. I don't think anyone in the world believes Toronto is going to get fifty six again. Okay. Um, okay. I'm not saying it's. You know, I'm not saying these things are a lock. I think it's. I just think it's possible that Toronto or Boston gets the first seed. What I'm due gonna say- to LeBron okay. sitting out. Go ahead. The Heat had forty eight wins last year. That's not happening. Hawks had forty eight wins this last year. I think the Hawks are going to be terrible in terms of from. They're going to go through a twelve point drop. I, I think twelve win drop. They're going to go a huge. You think they're below five hundred. I think they're five hundred. Maybe five hundred. Okay, so they're going to go through a seven win drop. Okay. Mm-hmm. Boston was at forty eight wins as well, and so was Charlotte. So Boston would have to win. I think the Cavs are at least going to match fifty seven wins again because they'll have a healthy year of Kevin Love, more cohesion on the team. Blah blah blah. Happiness, happiness, happiness. I think Al Horford doesn't necessarily add nine more wins to your team. And Boston had 48 wins last year. So I think it's it's tough for me to imagine anyone in the East adding a ton more wins. The only team that doesn't need to add that many more wins and still then beat the Cavs would be the I mean, Raptors. And the Raptors are not going to get that many wins this year. Boston got better. Indiana got better. Toronto, you could argue, I mean, probably stayed around the same. Cleveland stayed around the same. I, I think that between like a lot of teams not being like there's a there's a big there's a lot of parity after the top four seeds or whatever, um, and I do think Indiana can be surprisingly good. I'll I'll just go ahead and throw my hat in that ring because of the Thad Young trade, yeah, yeah, so, yeah, mostly because of Thad Young. Um, but yeah, I, I think that those wins, those nine wins, could very well happen just because a lot of teams didn't get better, you know, in the East. I think right. you're wrong. Let's, we, we've beat this. We beat this to a bloody pulp here. Let's move on. Anyways, tanking is in a hibernation. Is in it's not no. <laughs> such a weird. <laughs> that's the answer. Question. You're really pleased with that one too. I can tell. Yeah. yeah. Again, no one's tanking this year. You're welcome, yeah. America. <laughs> you're welcome. Um, so this is created not even like anything based on any reporting. I don't know if you even have an answer for this, but which big star is most likely to get traded amongst? Boogie Cousins, Blake Griffin, Chris Paul, and Dirk Nowitzki. I mean, in terms of likeliness, if your answer isn't Cousins, you're... Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so I started with Cousins, and I was like, oh, shit, I need, like, other guys. None of those guys make any sense. I mean, Griffin yeah. makes sense from, like, if the Clippers end up sucking, I you know, for whatever reason, um, then Griffin and Paul would be two guys that you think they want to trade right away. I actually think Dirk... The Mavs are never going to do this, but the Mavs should do this. Like mm-hmm. Harrison, you know, I, Harrison Barnes. We were both on the record in pods. Harrison Barnes was not going to be good, and doesn't look like he's going to be any good. He's been horrible in the preseason. I don't think. I don't even know if. Apparently, Justin Anderson may be better than him. The bench player who's behind yeah. him. Yeah, um, saw that coming, didn't we? Didn't we, Mike? That's why we should be GMs. But 
like you know that that is the Dirk Nowitzki's the most interesting name um possible as a trade candidate because he he fits on any team in the league. There's not a single team that he wouldn't make sense on um mm-hmm. just cuz of the way he plays. And you know, it's like it's like something they're not going to do. The Mavs aren't going to do it, so it's, it's all fantasy. But like if they were ever to even float the possibility that Dirk is available. Let's say they start Really does, bad. Did, let's say Boston uh, sends them some yes. picks and, and Kelly Olynyk. Does that yes. put them over? Yeah. <laughs> over the Boston. Boston. Just we talk about Boston so much because we got so many damn picks. It's so easy to talk about them in a trade. If you're Boston, would you trade the Nets pick for Dirk? Yeah, I think I would. Yeah, I think I would just for just for that special mojo for you know for one for one quick go. I mean, if LeBron James is going to be good for another four years, which he most certainly is. You know, you gotta you gotta either make your move now or or get off the pot. You know, but like who? And if you're if you're the Mavs, if Boston comes in and says we'll give you the Nets pick, the Nets pick is here. I just, don't you have to do it? I mean, what if Dirk? If Dirk's fine with it, I mean, don't you, Dirk? Like, didn't he probably love Larry Bird? I'm sure. I mean, everyone, you know, he's the European Larry Bird in a sense. No, we gotta we gotta pick his brain about that. Oh, Although I, we'll I know immediately, like Mark Cuban, who probably has already talked a bunch, and you know, I'm just assuming that he's uh, like against that kind of thing in general. He seems like a kind of like a moralistically driven person to some degree in that way. Um, wrong. Okay, I'm wrong. Yeah. Oh, okay. Second to last question. You've been watching too much Trump. You just say wrong at stuff now. That's not... you're the puppet. You're the puppet. <laughs> um. What will be the overarching theme slash storyline for what? the Warriors? Where is that? Oh, I see you're skipping around. Okay, I'm um, skipping anywhere. <coughs> oh yeah, oh yeah, I did skip for you. Sorry, I'm sorry. About um, that. I don't have an answer for this. How's that for an answer? Lame. Um, no, I know. I mean, it's going to be that they're they're the wrestling heel that they're the enemy that Draymond Green is you know a bad teammate. He yells at people and that. Kevin Durant is selfish, and you know Russell Westbrook is the hero with the chip on his shoulder. You don't think there's any chance? It's just like, are we gonna break the record and get like you know a stupid amount of seventy five wins? Are we you know should we be pursuing that? That is there any chance that that's the 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 annoying theme again? I think I think it's unlikely that they're going to be that good right away. And let's say they're even just ten and three, like. I don't know if they're like I don't I don't know if that then that like the record talk talk begins if they rip off thirty straight wins I'm sure I think I think they're going to be a little rusty to start and then the immediate headline is going to be are the Warriors is what's going on with the Warriors and then we're going to have sports centers are going to be going crazy and then they're going to be really good um you know kind of like and it has been discussed and like who should be like loving Kevin Durant right now for more than one reason is Steph Curry has gotten off so easy mm. after the finals where he like wasn't that good. I know he had a, an injury, I guess. And, you know, so, you know, he got a little bit. But if if Kevin Durant had never went to the Warriors and let's say he stayed with Golden, or with a OKC, the overriding storyline, one of them would have been this offseason was, is Steph Curry that good? I mean, I think. So before the finals, Curry had asserted his dominance as being the best player in the NBA, the most important, blah, blah, blah. And then LeBron just stole it right back from him, and it was like mm-hmm. nothing. And no one's even discussed mm-hmm. 
Um, no one's. Oh, sorry. I thought you said nobody's even disgusted. I was like, oh my god, you're disgusted by this. No one's even upset or angry. <laughs> yeah. Um, but because Durant is Durant going to OK or to Golden State is such a massive storyline that no one's even cares about Curry anymore. Curry must be it, so happy. Yeah. Did I tell you I saw my first? Um, this is a while ago, but I saw a guy on the subway. Uh, with he had a he had a blue a, a a Warriors blue undershirt with a Kevin Durant Warriors jersey on top and a Warriors fitted, and I was like, oh, I actually do kind of hate that guy. I really don't <laughs> like him. I don't. <laughs> I don't. He's like he's trying to be a jerk, and he's and he and it's working. I like I didn't expect to like have a you know sort of visceral reaction to to seeing it, but now that I see it, it's like, ugh, I don't like that. I know, and that's that's a sort of the reason why, if I'm going to go with an overarching theme storyline for the Warriors, it's they're the villains and the bad guys. I mm-hmm. remember when I used to see people with Warriors gear on like subways. I mm-hmm. I would like would like I would feel good for them. I'd be like, wow, you guys yeah. have an awesome team, super enjoyable. Yeah. Everyone on that team is like fun. Yeah. Now, now that, you see, now that's like, not the case. Yeah. Now they're the Dallas Cowboys. Yes, the Yankees. Exactly. Jerk. They're just like. Jerk. Just you proud of that? When you proud? Of that? Yeah. This goes into I have this whole thing that I I was I have to work the kinks out of, but I have this this uh, thought about how it's difficult to be both a Nets and a Yankees fan. I see a lot of like I go on like Twitter and see people that are like yeah, I'm both a fan of the Nets and the Yankees, and I always think about how like the the sort of the dissonance there that that would have to take place because of of just the two different presences in in their respective sports. You and, know. and it'd be tough for the both of the fandoms to be equal, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean like, like one team I mean, wins the all the time. Been that great lately, so it's a little bit easier. But you know, yeah. um, still, there's like there's like pride, and not to say that there isn't pride to be taken in. Oh, this actually goes back to a Twitter question that I should. This is not necessarily mailbag, but um, guy wanted to talk about. We should I should pull this up. We'll we'll, we'll at at BK Glue guys by the way on Twitter. Um, and again, if you want to. Download anything, Stitcher, oh, iTunes, SoundCloud. Stop plugging. I mean, I'm trying to talk about this guy. Yeah. So, <laughs> Glue guys. No, no, no. You can, you can plug. You can plug. Glue guys. Um, he was talking about, so there was an article in Nets Daily the other day about, like, these subtle hints that they are trying to, like, hide the Nets history. Um, right. And that was, so this is actually a, like, a story that kind of has come back from the dead. When we f- first moved into Barclays Center, there was a discussion about making the banners black and white versus blue. And so part of the article is talking about how they made the banners black and white. Um, and then there's also the um, starter jacket or something that says like established in 2012. Yeah. Um, these things don't bother me. He was like, does that bother you? So I've been, you know, full disclosure, Nets fan, like forever, you know, parents had, Dad had a season ticket since 1989. We've been going in, going out there. Um, so I never really had, like, I don't have a sense of ownership. Like, I don't, I don't really feel, and this is probably, you know, I'm from New Jersey. I don't, I don't feel like we owe a ton to, like, necessarily honoring New Jersey or whatever. Um, so I like it because it, it's cohesive. It keeps the, the color scheme together in the arena. Like, that's more important to me, to be honest. Like, I'm pretty shallow. Um, with that kind of stuff, <laughs> I think you're going to say that. Like, no, I'm uh, a pretty shallow guy with this stuff. Um, and oh, and another guy was talking about like, what do you think of like Brett Yormack? And I think this is probably tied to that. And like, is is he descending on like, is it is it more marketable to 
um, just market this as like a kind of a new franchise from 2012. And, you know, I don't know. And my feelings towards Brett, your Marcus is probably like a super capable um, person in this regard and, and knows what he's doing for a casual fan um, versus the people that have been brought over from New Jersey. And you can argue as to whether that's – sorry, I'm not talking too much. I feel like I've lost No, no. Mind. This is fantastic. So <laughs> don't stop. You can argue whether that's the best strategy, the most inclusive strategy marketing-wise. But I think my my heart of heart tells me that anyone that is buying Brooklyn Nets gear at this point, it's four or five years in or whatever, is is maybe not from New Jersey anymore. <laughs> I think that's <laughs> I think they're going for new younger people. I know that I whenever I go, I see a ton of kids where that used to not necessarily be the case. Um, and I think they're, it's, it's not a salting of the earth as, as like, these are pretty subtle things. They still are hanging nets banners from New Jersey and there's still like, you know, that the information, the content of those banners are still, you know, you know, it's not like <laughs> they've crossed out the New Jersey part in our like Atlantic division championships. <laughs> um, so that stuff is fine with me largely. So that's all my, my two cents about that. I would just say that I think it's probably not the best business in the world to completely shed all New Jersey past. I don't I mean is that what they're doing? I see on the subway and this is where I go when I'm when I'm trend spotting. And I, you know I like to trend spot. Sure. Um I see a lot of throwback Nets uh like the 90s Nets logo in black and white. That's the direction that I really like. And and also they've they they're paying homage to the uh Nets jersey of yore with with this new alternative which is by far the best jersey they've ever had uh the black and white with the stripes down the down the Beautiful. side um that is i mean like in a you know like a a way that you could like you could argue whether that's you know like yes we were honoring our tradition but yeah i think you definitely are argue, uh, i mean honoring the tradition there um so it's it's give and take in that way i don't know it doesn't bother me that much yeah that's fine to me okay. to me i'm to me, all I would say is that I understand the complexities of like trying to live in New Jersey and then becoming a Nets fan, trying to go to a game. I mean, it seems super. It's just knowing how entry transit to subways is not the most fun process in the world, or living in the city, going to Brooklyn, then trying to go back over to New Jersey, not the most fun process in the world. So maybe the Nets don't care all that much about New Jersey fans. And also the Comcast. So in the article it, by Net Income, it was brought up. Um, but the sort of the fact that Comcast, it's Comcast, right? That that doesn't that doesn't show the Nets games because they have a dispute with Yes, and yeah. so and most of those pe- most people who have Comcast are New Jersey residents. Mm-hmm. I just if I'm if I'm a sports mar- marketing 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 right, mm-hmm. if I'm in the marketing 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 offices of the Nets, I would try to hang on to as much as I can my New Jersey roots just because. Really? I mean, look at the statistics. Like, I, get, I get that if you were at those games, if you were, if you were, you know, driving out to the Prudential Center in like the in the dead ass of winter, I get that you feel like a certain kind of ownership over this. But like in general, that was not a like supported team. I get you can, you know, like there was definitely managerial issues with the Ratner years, um, and. Like it's easy to feel betrayed and and like to you know deprive the team of the money. But even before that, like we were like it was like headline news that we weren't selling out our playoff games and stuff. Um, like New Jersey was like not super supportive of that team. And furthermore, from a like you know brand management perspective, in our last years we were thirty first uh, 
ranked 31st in team sales behind the defunct Supersonics from Seattle. <laughs> like we like that brand was so dead in the water that to say retroactively like we need to be respecting that more. Sorry, my cat, can you hear my cat? Yeah, it's sounding great. It's <laughs> the cat's a big. She's from New Jersey too, so she. Uh, she she's angry. Uh, let me let me let the cat out. It's gonna it's gonna be a problem. Sure. Here, we can edit edit this. Out. No no no. We're gonna leave this in, and I'm gonna talk for a sec. You know, and like I, it's not that even. I don't even disagree with you. It's just that you know. I think I think from a perspective. So like so the whole point of like New York sports is that each team sort of has their territory, and it's weird how some of these territories develop. But like so each team has their territory. Where like the Mets have. Long Island and Queens and maybe part of Brooklyn where the Yankees have New Jersey, Manhattan, Westchester, and parts of Connecticut. Um, like if I'm if I'm the Nets and I have a chance – I know – so the brand thing I totally get and that's a great argument that the fact that the, the brand was dead and they're – the whole point of them moving to Brooklyn is to get new territory and almost to shed the past. But I think if you're, if you're franchising, you'd say, okay – we have a New Jersey fan base. No fan base. No matter how small that that they may be, we have them. And then yeah. we could also get the Brooklyn, Queens, Long Island fan base, which actually I think part, played partly into Kenny Atkinson being hired here, Long Island boy. Mm-hmm. If I if you get both of those plus you know parts of Manhattan because the new the newcomers to Manhattan remember, when the team moved to Brooklyn, the biggest part of the fan base that developed was the new people moving to Manhattan liking a team just deciding i'm gonna go to like a team and the mm-hmm. nets were cooler than the Knicks. i can i can afford a ticket to the nets where i can't yeah so if you could say i could hold on to new jersey pick up long island and get parts of the new age manhattanites mm-hmm. that's a huge success they don't care about new jersey and maybe it's just because there's no what's the point i mean maybe they just don't care and they just it doesn't yeah. matter to them let me also put this disclaimer on this. I, I can already feel that like I'm going to get we're going to get annihilated in a, a comments or a Twitter section. And that's fine. I, I also I don't have super strong feelings about this. I, I can I'm, I'm pretty gutless when it comes to this kind of thing. Um, so I do want to put that disclaimer on like I don't I don't. These are just my idling thoughts. And I know people feel super strongly about this. Like the people are like repping New Jersey. I love really how all hard. shook up you are about what? this. About the I, comments and Twitter, I'm, I'm sensitive to the to the fact that people, you know, like they 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 will pick up one thing you say and like you will be identified with that thing. So I like to like there are certain things where I feel passionate about. If I'm not like dedicated to, the, and I'm certainly not de- dedicated to like being, yeah, go all in on Brooklyn or like just g- geographical stuff like that. I I don't really care to like align myself with, and and I know that people do. So that's one one concern. Sure. You don't think that? I feel like that that you're going to be surprised when you find out. Well, you don't have that in Washington. Nobody cares. Nobody cares about Washington. Nobody cares about the Wizards. Honestly, yeah. no one cares <laughs> about the Wizards. No one have have ever cared about the Wizards. They haven't been good in oh. 40 years, so no. no one cares. Oh, Mike, come on. I know. It's going to be a big year. It's going to be a good weird. year. Can I tell you something real quick about myself? Yeah, please. Like, growing up, I was oh, like man. the biggest. This, I love where this is headed. Go ahead. Play I was the you, biggest Wizards fan in the world. But I was by far the biggest Wizards fan that I knew. Yeah. And the Wizards have ze- – like people can bemoan the fact that the Nets had not that great of a fan base in New Jersey and all that stuff. That, the Nets fan base is like 10 times better than the – no one cares about the Wizards. That could not possibly be, but okay. People only care – in Maryland and Virginia, college basketball is bigger 
than pro basketball by far. And I don't think that's the case in New York. New York, we do care about St. John's, and we care about some of the other teams around the area. Mm-hmm. But Knicks, if they're good, people love them. And the mm-hmm. Nets, if they are good, you know Barclays is going to become – if, like, the Nets were suddenly a top eight team in the league, Barclays yeah. would be going crazy. Well, the Nets, they had, they had the benefit of actually being good for two years. And that was, yeah. you know. What was it like when it was – I mean – Oh, my God. I mean, I can't even tell you. Cause, you had season tickets then, right? Yeah. Um, well, first of all, let me just say that the Nets games back then, totally different environment in general. Like, going to a Nets game – was a so all the people that like generally talking about like positivity or negativity that was certainly not a conversation you were having in 2000 and earlier if, if in 1999 people were there like you could it was you could hear a pin drop and people were getting heckled so hard it was unbelievably hostile i loved it it was like so that was like my formative experiences watching sports it's like a cynical activity for me you know i we, we would sit and just there would be like this row of four guys who just get wasted every every game and just be, you know, shouting out at, at Keith Van Horn, like all kinds of obscenities. It was great. It was like, so this is, this is my idea of watching a sport. Um, so that team like was not predicted to be as good as they were. And when they had that, like, that was like the dream, you know, you make this one, like tra- you trade two good players, you make a direct swap, Stefan Marbury for, for Jason Kidd. And suddenly you're the most exciting, most fun team on the planet. It was like, it was shocking. And I wish this team, this Nets team, had that, even had that ability to do that. Like, hey, even you're selling Jeremy real short now. You're selling- <laughs> um, so that's our season preview pod. Uh, yeah. Thank you for joining us. Do you think um, we got a little too sappy at the end there? No, I love it. I think that's the best thing we've ever done. Oh, uh, man. That was great. Besides when we try to name the D-League affiliate, which will always be. Yeah. That was that was our pirate radio days. Yeah. This pod- that was a little podcast. We- we went in pretty hard on that, um, and, it, and it just turned out to be the Long Island Nets. How do you feel? How do you feel about that? <laughs> um, check us out on Twitter at BK Glue Guys. Check us out on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and Google Play. Search Glue or search Glue Guys. Thank you, Nets Daily, for hosting us again. Um, we'll be here all the time, every time, on NetsDaily.com. Oh, wow. Brian, take Not us everybody. out. No, you did a great job. Good night. Hey. Woo! Thanks for listening.